have a podcast but we are each getting our boating and airplane licenses to become pilots and various boating experts so we can take over the world take over all the uh air and sea pathways we'll be controlling the earth from our small ports in orlando florida and our various locations i am your host jp acosta we will get to everybody else on this panel of course but you know guys i think nothing really much happened today in the world of football college nfl just nothing nothing much really happened uh tyler nothing nothing really going on not really um it's a wonderful day here in vikings land though uh we we have a rocket scientist playing quarterback that's kind of cool rocket scientists in vikings land honestly sounds like a pretty cool idea for a tv show like it I, sounds I, like I a new D and D class, like it, like uh, ten levels Viking and then ten levels NASA engineer. Like that's a that's a Netflix show that is waiting to be made. But AJ, like I said, nothing much really going on. You know, we were talking in the chat before, like, what are we going to talk about today? But nothing's really popping up. Yeah, man, it's a pretty pretty slow news day to tell you the truth. I mean, I got off work at noon and haven't had anything since. Oh, yeah, that's the best feeling, getting off of work, even when you were kind of barely working in the first place. But I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying, like, in the general, like, population, you know. But, yeah, Alex, nothing much going on. We had a pretty cool Senior Bowl invite, but that's really it. Yeah, two pretty cool ones, honestly. I mean, two two small school guys, uh, Jalex Hunt and and Willie Drew uh, from Houston Christian and Virginia State. but yeah, other than that, you know, not a whole lot going on. Hey, Kevin. But anyway, all right. So <laughs> we really didn't have a lot of big news, except for like you know, a whole bunch of people got fired, and we all like we all like talking about people getting fired, including me. Somebody uh, got no, fired no, 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 from the no, no, podcast, no, no. but okay. uh, you didn't. You ha- you haven't even let me finish the intro. <laughs> you have completely hijacked this entire operation. Just off your bullshit, like. Let me let me finish. You, you let me cook a little bit. All right. Anyway, but yeah, a lot of people got fired. We're gonna talk about it all in the world of college football. Unfortunately, I have to introduce Kevin Fielder. So, Kevin, what's up? Do you really need to introduce? Anyway, me? all right. <laughs> no, the first guy that got hired is, of course, the biggest one at Texas A&M, where Jimbo Fisher was finally ousted even after it seemed like they weren't it sounded like they weren't going to do it but then they were there were a lot of rumors they're like hey they're starting to get build up that money to pay that buyout and then it actually happened on a sunday morning during the uh during the patriots colts game which i think is an incredible news dump that they probably thought wouldn't go over like pretty smoothly but nobody cared about that game but jimbo fisher officially out at Texas A&M, a 45 and 25 record as the Aggies head coach, and of course the record 76.8 million dollar buyout. First of all, guys, I'm going to start with AJ here. What all went wrong for Jimbo at Texas A&M? This seemed like a 
higher when it was made in what 2014 2013 no not even that 2017 like this this was a hire that was probably the best one of that cycle which we'll get to later yeah when you're a quarterback whisperer and you don't get any consistent quarterback play your entire tenure i think that's probably uh, kind of a nail in your coffin but you know, and then like it's it, you can't judge Jimbo because like Connor Wegman got injured this year, right? Like there's they've had guys, but they've never really been able to put it together. Um, to Jimbo's credit, like A and M was recruiting pretty well. They were always landing five stars, always beating out you know other programs for these highly highly touted recruits, and just couldn't do anything with them. I mean, you know, you look at the offense, and it's like there's no reason that an offense with Evan Stewart and Anaya Smith and guys like that isn't just setting you know the world on fire and they never really seemed all that well coached um and then you hire a coaching staff of bobby petrino and steve adazio like it gets and dj durkin like it's it gets kind of problematic um i think he was trying to go for like the Saban rehab school with coordinators and the problem is is that you just hired a bunch of problematic coaches and couldn't get any consistent play out of anybody on your on your team. And Adam has always felt more like a school of individuals under him. There's been individual highlight performances, but not a consistent um, team effort. You know, they couldn't play a complete game with both sides clicking. It just really seemed, and if you, you fall short consistently in, in a lot of these big games, and it's just ultimately it's gonna it's gonna bite you, especially with that buyout. Yeah, it's it seemed like they always overpromised, but always also underdelivered, which you really can't do at Texas A&M because if you make all those promises, you better keep them, especially with what Texas A&M wants to be. When you look back at that 2017-2018 coaching carousel, Kevin, it's a very funny, very funny list of names. Uh Tip Chip Kelly was hired at UCLA. Willie Taggart was hired at Florida State. Jimbo went to AM. Dan Mullen was hired at Florida. Scott Frost was hired at Nebraska. Jeremy Pruitt was hired as head coach of the Volunteers. And Chad Morris, who I forgot was head coach of Arkansas, was hired as the head coach of Arkansas. Dan Mullen was probably the most successful person in that group, and that's incredibly funny. So I think that, like, compared to expectations, Dan Mullen is probably the most successful. Like, I still think Jimbo Fisher was remotely successful at Texas A&M. The problem is that at Texas A&M, remotely successful doesn't keep your job, right? Like Texas A&M, to its credit, is like super well-funded. It's got good facilities. Like it is the closest thing to like a big-time job that's going to open up in the near future. And so like you can't go in there promising national championships and you know, writing down the 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 plaque or whatever with the like the unfinished date, like the twenty with the unfinished date afterwards, and then not deliver. And like he won nine games consistently, but nine games doesn't keep your job at Texas A and M. Ten, eleven, twelve, like winning national championships does. And so like there was a time that it was going to happen. Uh, I thought it was probably going to happen at the end of the season. I didn't think they'd pull the trigger with two games left in the regular season, but you know I think that like eventually it was just going to happen and. Might as well do it now because, like, they're the biggest job on the market and they're going to get their choice of every head coach who's like remotely available. And they're going to probably call 
Dan Lanning and Mike Norvell and kick the tires on these guys and see if they want to come. But like, this is still a job that like people are going to want. And it's a job with a ton of talent across the board. Uh, you know, I, I think AJ sort of mentioned like Evan Stewart's a really good football player. That defense has dudes like it's going to be a good job. Uh, now to AJ's point, I think it's telling that uh, Petrino, Durkin, Adazio couldn't get the interim head coach tag, even though they're like all, all experienced head coaches. Like <laughs> you, you can't, you can't do the coaches rehab thing, but only hire coaches who have been involved in investigations at their previous schools. They're all uh, like they're like Nick Saban hires guys who just get fired for being bad. They don't hire guys who get fired for being involved in NCAA investigations involving the death of an athlete out of practice. Like, that's where you can't like you can't really claim the school of rehab and then do that. Like you're just you're just a bad coach who's hiring problematic players or coaches. And like that's probably was his downfall. Like the offensive coordinator hired it hit again. Like eventually something's gotta hit. You gotta compete in the SEC because that's a job where competing is the expectation and not just like a, a funny little thing that they do once every year. So Alex, the timing of it, like Kevin said, was very interesting. It was with two games left basically in the regular season, which I thought was really odd, but it seems like they want to get an early jump on the hiring process when like you're text saying them, now you got your name out there and the biggest names in the sport are going to come calling. Yeah, man. I mean, when you already have two nuclear reactors on campus, you can't afford the meltdown of a third. Um, it, you know, you got to just get them out of there, get it done, get it out of the way right now. Um, like Kevin said, you know, now everyone knows that the job is out there. Um, it's the biggest job on the market by far. It's probably going to be the biggest jo uh, job on the market uh, that comes open, period. And so, like, getting it open now, um, you know, rather than, like, letting Jimbo finish out those last two games and maybe like do a little bit of something that convinces you a little bit. I mean, they fired him after a win anyway, but like, you know, those last two games, even if like he put something together and like, you know, like I think that the boosters were just at a point where it was like, we're not going to let ourselves get tricked by this again. We know what this is. We know what this is. It's time to just get it out of the way. Let's just move on from this. And now you have two two weeks right before the end of the season to put together your board of names and reach out to that board and say like, Hey, we're going to make guys say no to us. We're going to make Dan Lanning say no. We're going to make Dabo Sweeney say no. We're going to make, you know, whoever it may be around the country that already has a head coach job say no to this job before we move on to, you know, maybe more quote unquote realistic candidates, like less moonshot sort of candidates. But like until then, like, we're Texas A&M. We have all the funding. We have all the facilities. We have everything that you need to be a successful program in the modern era. We're just going to make people say no to us until the coaching carousel really actually picks up. And getting that head start, I think, for a job that high profile is a really important deal for them. All right. So starting with Tyler, I just thought of this game. We're going to play a game called Elevator Pitch. You're going to sell me on one candidate that you think should get the job at Texas A&M. It can be Anybody, if there's a repeat, you will be skipped. So, Tyler, you get the first pick of anybody. You got 30 seconds. Your timer starts now. Uh, the funniest answer of all of this is Dabble Sweeney. And it, he's obviously had a ton of success in Clemson, but his biggest issue have been some of the issues that have plagued Jimbo. Uh, unwillingness to really work in the transfer portal 
and just the stubbornness when it comes to how you run your team. And going from Clemson over to Texas A&M, where they will absolutely love his Jesus uh, talks. Uh, it would just be absolutely hilarious and honestly something Clemson really needs. Wow, 28 seconds. You're cutting it close, but you got it. Better than you. Kevin. <laughs> Speaking of Kevin, you got 30 seconds. Sell me on who should get the Texas A&M job. I don't think he'd take it, but let's talk about Gerard Johnson, uh, the current Houston Texans quarterback coach, Texas A&M alum. Uh, you know, t- uh, the Texans are rolling. C.J. Stroud is rolling. Like, you want to bring life into that program, get a guy like Gerard Johnson from the NFL. Again, you'd have to get him to accept, but you could do a lot worse than a Texas guy who's showing success in the NFL. And, you know, if if the money's right, like, I think he may at least consider it, but I, I still think he probably stays with the Texans or in the NFL. Kind of close. 29 seconds. Just barely got it there. Katzen, you're up. You got 30 seconds. Sell me on who you think should get the A&M job. I'm going Jeff Trailer from UTSA. Uh, he's got all the Texas high school recruiting ties. He's coached in Texas for basically his entire career, has been incredibly successful at UTSA, even if they, as they've moved up through the G5 ranks. Um, it's about time that he gets a big job. I don't know that Texas A&M thinks that he's a big enough name to go for it, but if they're going to change course and like do something serious for once in their lives, I think Trailer is by far the best candidate. 24 seconds. And I think I like that answer the most because that was mine. I think Jeff Trailer is that Jeff Trailer is the guy that I want to get the get the uh, job. It'd be really cool for like a story in terms of Texas A&M's best year in the modern era was 2013 when Jeff Trailer was coaching high school football in Texas, and now a decade later he's coming back to be the head coach at Texas A&M. It'd be pretty cool. AJ, sell me on your pick for Texas A&M head coach. Well, Jeff Trailer was also going to be my pick. So my new one is my new one is going to be Lane Kiffin because oh I, think Lane, I, I think Lane Kiffin at Texas A&M would be tremendous hire. He'd have every resource he wants. Uh, you want to talk about boosting your offense. Every Ole Miss offense under Lane Kiffin has been stellar. He's beaten Bama. Or he's been at Bama. He knows what to do. Make it happen. 25 seconds. I think that's the, the most efficient one there. Either you or Katzen. That's that's honestly just 24. 24. Lane Kiffin at Texas A&M would be incredibly funny. I, I think it'd be it's, hilarious. It's like, not Dabo funny. It would work though. It would like it would it work. Would, it would work, but it would be incredibly so, funny. So, so I just want to say, like, my my one concern with Lane Kiffin is it's pretty like well stated that he doesn't like to stay in Oxford and he just sort of stays in South Florida for the entirety of like the offseason. Shout out Joey Freshwater. I don't know if something like that works at Texas A&M like where the boosters you kind of have to smooth the boosters for the offseason I don't know if that works the way he probably thinks it does you know like Lane Kiffin kind of has what he wants out of Ole Miss right now but it we're talking totally different stratospheres my other funny pick that I unironically think would actually do well is Mike Gundy I, <laughs> I, I really think like Mike yeah it, it's funny it's culture. funny but God, does he fit that team? Like, and honestly, truthfully, he gets the most out of guys. Like, you got to give Mike Gundy credit. He might not, you know, be the most dynamic recruiter. And uh, sometimes, you know, like his his transfer portal policies can be kind of hit or miss. But if you give him those Texas A&M resources, like, I, I think it might actually work. I, I mean, I, I don't know. State's competing for the Big 12 and look at that roster. Like, that, their I mean, quarterback is Allen Bowman. Ollie Gordon. And uh, Co. 
Like that's that's not there's you got Colin Oliver, and that is kind of it on that defense. All right, so my pick, my elevator pitch starting now, I'm gonna go simple. It's Mike Elko. This is the most realistic, this is the surefire pick if you're Texas AM. Was a defensive coordinator there where Texas AM was really, really good on defense. He knows how to get development out of players that aren't exactly the best. Like he's not recruiting five stars at Duke. And I think the staff is really good. This is a very easy hire for Texas AM to make. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, I think my my complaint, I mean, that's not even really a complaint, is that like Mike Elko really did not like the culture at College Station. That's kind of coming out a little bit as like he's getting suggested for the job. And and I, I believe Alex also made the point that he's like kind of antisocial and he doesn't really, I mean, like, like that that's not the kind of guy that'll fit with those boosters. But he also apparently didn't like the culture at AM, which is why he left to take the job the job at Duke. So I, I kind of wonder like if he gets the full time responsibilities, like I mean, it's also still a pretty big jump from Duke to Texas AM. Like that's a totally different set of expectations. I, I would kind of like to see him another year at Duke or so before making that leap. But I also think that he's a damn good ball coach and they need a damn good ball coach to your point jp i think the one thing here when you talk alex about duke going to texas a&m is because he's already been in the program he's already he's already worked with a lot of these kids because he's only been gone for two years he recruited he'll probably have recruited almost half the roster it i think it makes for an easier transition and we've seen guys go from a lower level uh program like the one that always jumps to mind that was really, really successful right off the bat, um, Urban Meyer going from Utah, which was whack Mountain West. It, yeah, they had just made the uh, BCS for the first time, but then he goes to Florida, and that's stratospherically different, where he had never really coached at a big-time program before. I think the fact that you have Elko having already been the defensive coordinator, already living in the area, already having dealt with the boosters, and like you said, being able to – modify things as he sees fit i think it could work better than a standard coach from a program like duke going in there so i i don't i don't see that as being an issue but i completely understand your point i will say real quick the the one thing about duke is they'll pay like duke has the money and i think if elko comes to duke and says i want to stay like they normally spend that money on basketball because that's what drives a lot of their their revenue and stuff. But like, I feel like if Elko went to the AD and said, Hey, I want to stay, pay me. They've seen the success that he's had there. They've seen the buzz. Like, I think there would be a real conversation around Duke going like, we'll make you a high paid head coach if you want to stay. So I think another part of the landscape around this A&M job that makes it an interesting hire in terms of who they choose is Texas is now entering your conference next year. Like, you got to take back a little bit of that attention. They already don't like Texas. And so if you come in to – if Texas is coming into that conference, A&M needs to make a big swing to kind of like, hey, we're still here too. Like, I'm sure at this point, like, Texas doesn't care about A&M. <laughs> they're, they're looking at Alabama. They're looking at the Georgias. Like, they, they want to be up there with them. They're not worried about five and seven A&M. So I think – like we said earlier in the chat, like they want to go for a big swing. They want to try and get the biggest fish um, for everybody saying Deion Sanders, shut up. Let's never do that again. 
Um, they would hire Colonel Sanders before hiring Deion Sanders. Um, JP, you, you've missed the, the biggest candidate of all, Detroit Lions head coach Dan Campbell. Oh my God! I I, do, I wanted to I want to at least no. mention this in reality. <laughs> they need to make the call. Dan Campbell also needs to say no. The timing is absolutely. Dan Campbell's atrocious. not going to pick up the phone. Yeah, well, Dan, he's he's going to pick up the phone. It's his alma mater, but it, it's it's a call. He's not going to pick up the phone. It's the middle of the season. It, it's a call you at least have to make if you're AM because it, it really makes it makes yeah. sense. I no, you have it, to at least make, make him make tell you no, and that, that that's the whole point. He's going to tell you no. But you at least have to make the call. If this was in five years, I think Dan Cable might be more inclined to take the job. No, he but he is so entrenched into fixing that team, there's no way he leaves. Look, if but Detroit, if, if shooters got to shoot, look. If Detroit, so, so here's really, if Detroit was if Detroit sucked, then like I could see him actually like considering. But Detroit's the number two seed in the NFC right now, and they're pretty built to win for a long time. Like they. They have a they have stuff there that like makes you want to stay around for a little bit. I get what you're saying in terms of like you gotta at least give them a call, which I think AM will do, but I don't think Dan Campbell picks up that phone. Which side note, what do you guys think Dan Campbell's voicemail message is? Do you think he has one or does he have the automatic like your call? When we get up, we're gonna bite your kneecaps. Like I, I don't know. Does it does he have like a little personalized voicemail or does he have like music that's like you know how they used to do it like like the early 2000s, you recorded them song. It was like, I can't get to the phone right now. Like, you think Dan Campbell has that? You or? guys, do you, do do you remember you ringback know? tones? <laughs> what is Dan Campbell's ringback tone? So instead of hearing like the do, you actually get to hear music. I what think, Dan I think you are be? way too old for this podcast. <laughs> ringback tones were like 2008. <laughs> I think you were like Dan seven. Campbell, Tyler, how many Campbell's songs? Dan Campbell's ringtone song for a phone Fuck call on, is yeah. the instrumental of Iron Man by Black Sabbath, but it's only yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely it's some it's sort it's of metal. It's do you guys? Hey, wait, real quick. Do you guys remember the episode of Family Guy where like Joe records those ringtone or those those uh those voicemail like Joe is on a vacation far away? Like that is probably what Dan Campbell does, and he just changes it like every month, and it's just like some really corny like. Dan Campbell remix of a song that like no one else gets except for him and like the people who call him and it's like the funniest thing I've heard to him. But Dan Campbell's ringtone song is a chainsaw, like it's just <laughs> or it's like a it's like a lawnmower. That's Jim Harbaugh's. Jim Harbaugh's. Jim Harbaugh's is a, for sure a lawnmower, but it's a riding lawnmower, not a push lawnmower. Texas A and M head coach Jim Harbaugh. By the way, let's talk about <laughs> that. Was <laughs> okay. I have another one, kind of tinfoil hattie. That's not not in, not serious in any way except for one. Um, Texas A&M head coach Ryan Day. Let Let's get real stupid. Um, let's do it. Let's do I it. mean, he, rec- he recruits receivers out of Texas, well, so they lose that. They lose to Michigan again. He gets John Cooper. A and M is the first team to make that call. That's I just that's the rebound hire. <laughs> I no, I still think the funniest hire is Mike Norvell because it's, hey, we just fired the FSU head coach because he didn't work well enough. Hey, the current FSU head coach, do you want to come try this again? Hey, let's run it back. Run it back. And then Florida State will <laughs> – wait, does this mean that uh, – who's the head coach at Memphis right now? Silverfield. Silverfield. Oh, God. Silverfield is a hot <laughs> no, FSU head coach, Ryan Silverfield. Not a can in a bit. I will – 
I will not sit with this canon event. Um, oh man. <laughs> Let's hey, move based on. on the last 72 hours of recruiting, how about Texas AM head coach Billy Napier? Yeah. I mean, they want to no, get recruits. Enough. Not lose them. <laughs> you you can't get rid of your, your used car for nothing, man. Yeah, you're not Jeff. <laughs> stop Jeff levying Billy Napier. <laughs> Speaking of Jeff Levy, go ahead, AJ. I don't know if I should feel insulted by that segue or not. <laughs> no, like I was gonna kind of back up Alex's point with Jeff Trailer. Um, I have I've been told by a lot of people that the Texas High School like Coaches Association oh, and a lot of the Texas high schooler coaches have been lobbying to get Jeff Trailer that job. It's, like it's I think so if, if you want somebody that like gets Texas. It's I mean, so Jeff Trailers so like, logical. I for think that, job. that is your guy. That is basically Mr. Texas. I think yeah. I think Jeff Trailers a, a home run because he walks into every high school and he's the man there. Like, yeah. if the idea is winning back Texas with Texas looking good, with exactly. Alabama coming into Texas and like recruiting well, go get the guy who every single high school in Texas is going to look at the dude and go, "We're going to send your kid here." Like, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like for Texas A and M is like if you want to win recruiting in Texas. Go get the guy that everyone in Texas loves. Well, also, especially because Texas, like, like especially because the Texas high schools are, they're already sending their lower tier kids to UTSA. They're saying like, hey man, go play for trailer at UTSA. If you're a three star or you know even like high up to high three star, low four star, like go play for trailer, man. And so like if you get him to go to Texas A&M, you're gonna get every recruit in Texas. And the but, other thing is like, think about their coordinator hires, uh, Will Stein from Oregon. Like you just pay him anything and go, Hey man, come let's, let's go run this back. Uh, I think their DC moved to a big 10 school. Uh, AJ probably knows who it is and what school he went to. I think Illinois. Yeah, I think it's Illinois. Illinois. I don't remember his name. uh, I'll be honest. Purdue when they hired uh, UTSA. Yeah. So like, think about the coordinators that you have. Jeff trailer's not going to cost uh, a metric like boatload of money. Like he's going to be expensive, but he's not going to be like the most expensive head coach out there. And he's a guy who's like perfect CEO coach for the sec because he's just going to control everything, make sure his coordinators cook. And like, we've seen what Will Stein has done at Oregon. Illinois defense still looks good. Like there is a lot to say of like, Hey man, let's just run this back with our staff from UTSA and just see what happens with the increase in talent. So we're going to move on to another coaching job here in a little bit, but I did want to mention two quick things. Uh, We didn't mention Dan Lanning at all, which is mainly because Dan Lanning has also emphatically said, like, he's not leaving, which, of course, like, that doesn't say that doesn't mean much. But, you know, like emphatically saying no is like, yeah, that, that says a little bit. And another underrated name that could possibly be a potential candidate is uh, Glenn Schumann. That's that's all I'm going to say. With, uh, so, and- fun fact about Dan Lanning, apparently he has to pay a buyout if he opts to leave Oregon. Now, I'm not saying that the boosters wouldn't pay that, but it is a potential roadblock in that discussion. Well, it also shows that Lanning is committed to Oregon, so, even if he hasn't outright said, I'm not leaving. So, it's not really a problem because my understanding is most coaching contracts involve the coach paying a buyout to the school and, like, that's just paid by the boosters in the school. Like it's just rerouted in a different way. Like it's not a problem there. I think the bigger thing is like Dan Lanning coming out during a press conference and like emphatically in every way saying, Hey man, I'm not leaving. Stop asking. So we're going to move on to another coaching job that Reese that opened honestly, like 
pretty recently, and that is UCLA, who is well, didn't officially open, but according to Bruins twenty four seven, it is believed that UCLA is going to fire Chip Kelly, who I mean, it got them out of a pretty dark place when it came to where UCLA was and compared to where they are now, but they it never felt like they really got over the hump as the secondary school. And in UCLA, he was legitimately 500. He was 33 and 33, 0 and 1 in bowl games. Um, AJ, I'm going to start with you because you had a lot of thoughts about who potentially should take this job. But who is your like shoe in, like basically like a small elevator pitch for who you think should get this job? Man, I was sitting here trying to think about this earlier of like guys that I'm like emphatically saying absolutely should get this job. I think my two biggest names right now are Ryan Grubb at Washington. He was at Fresno State, has a lot of success. I mean, he's the play caller for the most successful offense in college football right now. It's going to be a hot name in the cycle. Uh, my other one was going to be Jed Fish from Arizona, um, who has been I mean, obviously tremendous turning Arizona around pretty quickly. Just from last year to this season, Arizona was ranked 21st, I believe, in the most recent college football playoff ranking, or even higher. Um, it like They're phenomenal. They're recruiting great. I think if you put him at UCLA, and Jed Fish already coached at UCLA. like He has the experience. He knows what's there. I think that would be a, a two hires, I think, are probably the, the best you're going to get right now. So the one thing that I've been thinking about with UCLA is what is the ceiling here? Like when it comes to where you are in that, in the national landscape, because you're going to be going to the big 10. Um, you're still not going to, you're not going to be USC. Kevin, what is the ceiling for UCLA? Like what is the pitch for someone to take this job? I think the pitch is LA, right? Like you're in California, you're in an area that's recruiting, you know, grounds that are huge. You know, we're talking like Matter Day. We're talking the same schools that USC recruits. You're just not recruiting the same guys. Like, that school really needs guys who are going to, like, they, they, they look, they're, they're not going to be in the race for most five stars. Like, that's just reality. Like, they're going to get a few five stars every cycle probably. But, uh, like, I think the bigger thing is, like, they need a coach who's going to come in there and build dudes up and, like, develop players. And so for like me, that's Brent Brennan from San Jose State. Like, go get a dude who's proven that he can develop players, who has proven that he can recruit in California and like has been in California for a long time. Uh, I think Brennan probably ends up taking a coordinator job, much like Sean Lewis did, but he would be a perfect hire for UCLA in the sense of like getting those underrated recruits, knowing what to look for and developing them. So Alex, I want to talk to you a little bit about what exactly like, Chip Kelly like did wrong at UCLA because like it like we said he got them out of like a really bad place but it never seemed like they were actually legitimately very good either yeah I mean I think what happened here is just kind of like Chip Kelly is the guy that we all thought he was um where like he's kind of done this to himself the last couple jobs that he's been at where he kind of drives himself out of town because it doesn't really seem like he's a very fun guy to work with um, UCLA 
from kind of like reading the tea leaves and following the program from very far away, it seems like they didn't really like him very much, even while he was winning games for them and like carrying them out of this like very dark age for the program. Um, it didn't really seem like he was super motivated to recruit very much. Um, it didn't really seem like that's what he wanted to do. Like Chip Kelly is a very like kind of like what we were talking about with Elko is like kind of more of like an antisocial, just kind of wants to draw up plays in a dark room sort of guy. Like that's another California coach we know. Yeah, like <laughs> that's Chip Kelly. It's Lincoln Riley. It's Mike Elko. Like there are guys like that, and those are very good like X's and O's guys to have have in college football as coordinators. Um, maybe not the best guys to have as head coaches, where they have to go out and they have to. Um, you know, go on the recruiting trail and stuff. I do think that Kevin brings up a good point about Brennan where like San Jose state has no resources. Like they have no money. They're, like they have no facilities. They really have nothing. And they've done an, a fantastic job in the mountain West uh, pulling together like a championship, you know, a conference championship caliber roster the last couple of years. I think that he'd be a great hire for UCLA. I don't know that it's something that they will, do just because like it's not necessarily like a huge name going into you know the big 10 next season um but i do think that he's a name that they should at least consider for sure so tyler i think the next thing here is what is the next chip kelly location i don't think he's gonna get another head coaching job because i don't think he wants to do that like we said he wants to draw up plays and do all that stuff without actually having to recruit so what do you think he, where do you think he goes next? What do you think is the most realistic option? It feels like Alabama. Um, that's just kind of where coaches end up going. Um, uh, honestly, I think Chip Kelly should just screw around and go to some G5 and just go have have a blast. Like we made fun of Clay Helton a lot when he was at USC, but Clay Helton's done a really, really good job at Georgia Southern, based taking them at, from a triple option team to winning like at what did they win seven or eight games in 2022 in his first year? And this year they've already won seven with Davis Brennan quarterback. Like it, he should just go have fun. And you can do that at a G five level. Maybe like Biff Poggy went to Charlotte, like go to a program like Charlotte and just screw around, be that schemer. You don't have to be an elite recruiter. You have the name chip Kelly. It's going to have some cachet with some people and you'll be able to get a decent amount of athletes. And then just go have fun. I mean, Alabama makes sense from a coordinator perspective because that's where all coordinators, all the fired head coaches seem to go. And that kind of personality clash is something that Nick Saban almost thrives on because he keeps bringing in guys, Bill O'Brien, Lane Kiffin, and the list is endless. Um, I I, kind of like that option. Um, It would be really cool to see him go and work as like an analyst, maybe with somebody like Brennan Marion, an up-and-comer who – has a lot of really good ideas and then Chip Kelly can add some of his influence. Cause we got to remember as much as Chip Kelly has been a failure as a head coach, he had a brilliant scheme at New Hampshire that he brought with him to Oregon. And then that landed him a job in the national football league, the head coach. He has some really cool ideas and being able to help mentor somebody like that, I think could be really, really good for the sport of college football. But I do want to say one thing, the funniest hire for UCLA is Dan Mullen because it's basically Chip Kelly. <laughs> Even less recruiting, though, with Dan Mullen. So I feel yep. like this is the uh, this is the route now for coaches like Dan Mullen and Chip Kelly. I mean, shoot, even Jimbo Fisher. You go on TV for a couple of years, you slick, you slick up your hair, look like a used, uh, used car salesman, and then whenever the next big job opens up, you just 
mosey on over. So it worked maybe, for Mac Brown. It did work it for Mac for Tom Herbin too. Like Tom Herbin just went on CBS Sports Network for a year and went, no, hey guys, Tom Herbin was with the Bears. Do you yeah, guys he, not remember that? <laughs> he was a special yeah. projects coach with the Bears. <laughs> he was with the Bears and it was like, yeah, no, nah, this is too much. Like, and then and, and then went to call games, and then his first game was North Texas SMU. He said this story at his introductory press conference. His first game was North Texas SMU, and he looked down, saw like the band playing, and went, damn, I got to coach again. <laughs> he said, it's time to get out of this box. So what I'm hearing is Jimbo Fisher is going to spend a couple years on TV and then take the Auburn job. Jimbo yep. Fisher would be awful on TV. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, he'd be so bad. Yeah, didn't he do one of those simulcasts uh, during the national championship? Yes, it was the Alabama Georgia game last year. Was where actually, almost... if I remember correctly, it, it, he was pretty decent. It was, but that's also a different Texas setting. It, it's it's not canned. It's just it's barbershop talk essentially. You're just sitting oh, down and talking. Fish talking in. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's Jimbo, fair. First of all, Jimbo barely got hair. He's not going no damn barbershop. Second of all, Jimbo doesn't go, Jimbo doesn't go to barbershops. The barbershop comes to him. He gets sport clips to come to him. He gets a little. He don't even get the full <laughs> sports clips treatment. He gets a little snip snip off the top. He he gets a little. Uh, you take. <laughs> this I, is when you put the lawnmower on the highest setting, so it looks like you're mowing your grass, but you're not really doing much. That's basically what Jimbo Fisher gets. It is like, yeah, take a little bit off the top. It, a little cut right here and then a little, right little, little snip snip. Yeah, they, a little snip snip, maybe like a little comb through, but you're just gonna be combing skin. I would I, like, I would right like when to you mention top right here. I would I would like to mention that idea that he just cuts his own hair and he's just in the mirror going that explains a lot, man. <laughs> that explains a lot about the offense, and that explains a lot about his hair. He tried to do it himself, he's he's, he's, he's in the mirror. Just like looking for it, going, can I get it? Could I get it? No, he gets he gets Bobby to cut his hair. He gets Bobby <laughs> to cut his hair, and then gets mad halfway through. Like you're not doing it right. And he let me do it. Like, Bobby, you're not doing it right. Hey, give me the, give me the tone, Bobby. Give me the tone, Bobby. <laughs> do you think do you, do you think he has Bobby do it? And then like two minutes in, goes, just give me the damn scissors, and just cuts it himself. Like he's like a mad dad, like a a, a bad father it's after like, his kid just put- disappointed him. It's like if Hank Hill talked three times faster than he actually does. Oh, <laughs> so good, if you, Tyler. If you turn up the pitch on Hank Hill and then speed it up a little bit, if God dang it, Bobby, <laughs> don't think it, Bobby. Pocket sand. The pocket I don't know you. That's dude. my purse. <laughs> That's my purse. I don't know you. Does that make Boomauer Steve Steve Adazio? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Dale Dale is definitely Dale is DJ, DJ Durkin. Durkin. Dale is one hundred percent DJ Durkin. But he has done some shit. <laughs> like he he has done some shit that nobody really wants to talk about. <laughs> uh, I love uh, what we were talking about Chip Bobby, Kelly and UCLA, and now we're back on it. Bobby Petrino is one hundred percent Bill Dotree. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. He's 100 percent Bill. Like he like nobody actually like respects him. And he had his marriage go wrong in such a terrible way. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, Moving on. next we're gonna go to Mississippi State, 
who fired Zach Arnett. Uh, again, this was a kind of weird one because he got fired with two games left in the season. And, like, Mississippi State wasn't going to be good anyway. Like, they, they, they had a lot of shit happen in the offseason. Like, I kind of feel bad for Zach Arnett. But, I mean, you, I guess they're kind of going, like, you lost 51 to 10 to a guy that just got fired. So I feel like it felt very reactionary, like, oh, they fired them? They fired that guy? Oh, we got to fire our guy too. But I just wonder what – I guess, Kevin, what is the expectation here at Mississippi State where, like, you, you're not really going to win the West? Like, it's just how competitive do you expect to be? I think it's, like, competitive in the sense of, like, you're winning eight, nine games a year. But, like, the problem here is that – Zach Arnett took over a program that was quite literally mourning its head coach while they played a bowl game. Like, this is not the situation that any head coach wants to be a part of. And it felt like it was just sort of like a new AD wanting to make his own hire. And Zach Arnett just becomes the 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 little like the the little sacrificial lamb in this of like, you know what? You carried us through that man. Good job. Now get out of here. And like what I don't know what the expectations were this year because Vegas said this team was bad. Everyone was saying, hey, man, this team's probably not going to be ready. They went through the second worst thing last season in terms of like just like off the field program, things that you can't control. Like, I don't know what they expected. And it felt like this was just new AD going, hey, man, I want to make my own hire. I want to make my own statement. And the statement's going to end up being Dan Mullen, isn't it? <laughs> just run it back. Dan, hiring Dan Mullen at Mississippi State is the equivalent of yeah, you got that uh that cold pizza in the fridge that's probably been there for far too long, but hey, it's pizza. You you just got to get something in your body. But I just again, what do you really expect from Mississippi State? Is this a this is a job where like you're really like like Kevin said, like eight games maybe, like maybe you're a little frisky, like you at least be competitive in the Egg Bowl, but what is the what is the sell, Tyler, for Mississippi State to bring in a coach? Like, what are you getting into when you get hired at Mississippi State? I, I think I want to bring this back to Zach Arnett for a second. From everything that my understanding was, he basically, after the bowl game, basically scrubbed the entire program of Mike Leach. And it didn't sit well with a lot of people. They installed uh, essentially the Appalachian State offense, which – it has its merits, but it's a massive, massive shift. And the program just was not going in any positive direction from anything that uh, I was hearing. And I know uh, Chrissy Freud, she covers the team uh, for Sports Illustrated, and she was talking a lot about it. And that was everything I had heard, too. So it, I think they just kind of want to start over from scratch. And it's like it's like, it's not necessarily replacing Mike Leach. It's how he handled things after the bowl game and how he basically just like scrubbed the program of him and like you shouldn't expect to replicate him, but I, I think it's just how he conducted himself and they decided to just get out of it quickly. I think it, it'd be great to uh, put a, a coordinator from a big name program in there. Like, do Use the same process you did with Dan Mullen. And for all of Mullen's faults that he had when he went back to Florida with the recruiting and everything, Mullen's a good football coach. Once you get on the field, it's all the off-field stuff with the recruiting you have to worry about. You get a good coordinator in there, let them try to build this program up. You could have them winning eight, nine games consistently. And I think that's probably the route they should go. But 
if you have dreams of competing every single year with the Bamas and stuff, it's just not going to happen. Be consistently good and hope you have a Dak Prescott year where you're number one in the country and you can make some noise. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be those occasions where, like, at Mississippi State, you're going to end up getting put in the headlock like Draymond did Rudy Gobert a couple minutes ago. But it's just the expectation again, like, you should be competitive with Mississippi State, not Mississippi State, but Ole Miss a few times out of the year. AJ, who is on your just your short list of guys you think should get this Mississippi State job? Guys who would fit there really well. Should and will probably feel a little bit different. My so I'll do it like this. I'll do it like this. AJ, go with who you think will get the hire. Alex, tell me who you think should be the hire. You're not gonna let me cook. Are you okay? We can, do you want to switch we the other way? I had two. I had two names I was going to throw in here. Okay, okay go ahead. Go ahead. No, so, number number one. This is my serious answer. Is John Summerall at Troy? I think I think he's phenomenal, phenomenal coach. I think what he's done at Troy has been a tremendous turnaround. Very quickly, he's already got SEC experience. He was at Kentucky. Um, you want to talk about getting a guy that'll make you competitive and physical? It's it's John Summerall. Um, my, my non-serious, but also could probably happen answer is Joe judge. Who's a former Mississippi state player. He's been involved in the sec. They love him there. I listen, Bruce Feldman brought him up in an article and I'm like, yeah, man, that Mississippi state could do that. That could be a splash guy to get somebody from the NFL and, Oh, look at us. We're in the sec. We got an NFL coach. Look at us. Yeah, I mean, they love him in Mississippi State. Like, he's very well thought of in that community. So my problem with this job is that... Oh, sorry. Before, before you get started, yourself. Kevin, Alex, give me who you think should be the hire and who you think will be the hire. So I think I'm kind of on the same page as AJ in the should department. I think that it should be John Summerall. Um, he's been super successful at Troy. He's an incredible coach. Um at some point you have to reward these guys that are in the Sun Belt and kind of in the SEC backyard for like making the Sun Belt the best G5 conference in the country. Um, and so like that should be the hire. Um, it sounds like from perusing stuff real quick that the AD wants someone that's been a head coach before. Like they don't want to hire a coordinator. They don't want to hire someone that doesn't have head coaching experience. I think that like, so when you get into what they will do, I think that Dan Mullen is top of mind there. I think that Jamie Chadwell is top of mind. Um, you know, whether or not that tweet of him being in Starkville is Photoshopped or not, I think that he's going to be top of mind um, because I, it's an open secret that he wants a, a power five job. Um, I think that Willie Fritz is going to be someone that they call. I don't necessarily think that they're going to be able to pry him away from Tulane, but that's going to be a call that they make, I think. Um, but yeah, I think that those are really like your three. And if you want to throw some all in your four that like have had coaching experience already are kind of a more established guys. Um, I think that in terms of like what they should do, I think they should call Glenn Schumann at Georgia. I don't think that they will if they want someone that's been a head coach before. Um, and I think that Schumann probably has his sights set a little bit higher anyway. Um, so it probably is kind of a mutual doesn't work out sort of thing on that end. Um, but yeah, if you want to talk about like what they will do, Dan Mullen, Jamie Chadwell, Willie Fritz, John Summerall. So I just had a thought that would be very funny. A Mississippi State head coach, Houston Nutt. 
Just bring me right back, baby. <laughs> Leaving that out there. Houston head coach, Houston. I would, I, I would just like to say if they want to keep the Mike Leach legacy going, and AJ will get a chuckle out of this one, Mississippi State head coach, Alex Grinch. And I have no further questions at this time. <laughs> yeah, here, here's an interesting one if you want to actually talk about that Mike Leach air raid. And I, I'm not memeing. I'm being serious. Mississippi State head coach Cliff Kingsbury. It's, 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 it's not, me, Vic. It's me, Vic. It's not inspiring, but he the, the lose, links are there. He would lose so much. Double-digit games in the SEC. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I would Mississippi State talk themselves into Kingsbury? Absolutely. I, I would like about, to say. I'd like to say. Guys with questionable backgrounds. <laughs> oh, really, like, who've had really good offenses before. Who've been trying to get back into the sports? I'm not going to mention his name, but that's a very I that was a very SEC ass hire that an SEC school can make. To, to keep this odd schedule, uh, I'd just like to say Rhett Lashley makes a lot of sense. Rhett Lashley has a really good job at SMU. The NIL money is really good there, and they're moving up to the AC, ACC for a reason. But like, the SEC is still the SEC, and if you can convince Rhett Lashley that. Mississippi State is a better job than what he's got at SMU. Like, I think he would kill recruiting in Mississippi. I think he'd w- compete in the Egg Bowl a lot. I think he'd win some Egg Bowls too because that offense works. He's already got oh, two five star recruits so far in the 2024 class. I think they're like very low five stars who probably shouldn't really be five stars, but <laughs> yeah, I guess like five stars. It's, it's have to still good up. for SMU it is very to get good. a five star. Yeah, and and to kind of Alex's point where he's talking about like uh, the new athletic director wants a proven head coach. This athletic director Zach Selman came from Oklahoma. Uh, if you know, if he wants a huge, I, I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna lobby for Jeff Levy. That's not happening. That's not what the point of this is. But um, trying to sell us. Your I'm used not. Car. I'm not. I am not doing it. I'm just. I'm trying to say a point here. But I saw your little smirk. <laughs> no, but. He wants to kind of he like he needs to get this higher right because he's very 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 well thought of in, in the kind of industry, and he's been kind of rumored to be the heir apparent to Joe Castiglione at at Oklahoma. Um, so like now he's kind of getting some experience elsewhere, and he has to get this higher right if he actually wants to go jump to Oklahoma. So I kind of think that that's part of like the desire for a proven head coach, a guy who's already proven he can win. is like, you got to get this one right because the athletic director himself is trying to vie for a higher job later down the line, whether that's with Oklahoma or not. Yeah. So next job we're going to get into is Boise state, which is a very odd like situation because they went to two bowl games. They had, a, they won a bowl game. We're not going to talk about like the COVID year, but like they didn't, like it wasn't pretty, like at all. Like they, they it took like Dirt Cutter coming in last year and saving that offense a little bit. Alex, I'm gonna start with you. This is this is your moment here. Um, what went wrong at Boise State? Yeah, man. Um, what went wrong is that uh, Avalos is uh, again kind of like some of these other guys that we've talked about. Not the easiest guy to work with, um, and. They haven't been winning games. They haven't won games at the same level that is expected of Boise State's program. Um, and it's a really difficult combination when you aren't winning games to two expectations and you are also someone that nobody wants to work with. Um, that's tough. When 
your second best player on offense, Eric McAllister, the wide receiver, enters the portal and then you get fired. And that day, McAllister says like, hey, man, I could come back like that. That should tell you everything that you need to know about the way this program is. The fact that Boise State's boosters also were able to deal with Brian Harson and not this guy should also tell you everything that you need to know about like the way that the Andy Avalos tenure went. It's it was just the whole thing was a mess. Um, I do think that Boise State got a little bit too caught up in kind of like continuity, like trying to hire a copy of a copy of a copy, right? Where like you have Chris Peterson and then Peterson leaves. And so you turn to kind of his tree and you get Harson, and then Harson leaves and you hire his DC and you have Avalos. And it's like, you're getting a little bit too far removed from like what made you great in the first place. Um, this is a job that's kind of like in more of like the area of the country that I pay more attention to. And so like, it's one that I've gone a little bit more in depth on. Um, I think that in terms of like the next guy up, you have to call the Moors and make both of them say no. Um, that's Kellen and Kirby. Kellen, obviously the coordinator for the Chargers. He's going to get an NFL head coaching job. He's going to say no, but you have to call him and just say like, hey, man, are you sure you don't want to come home? Are you sure? The key is under, the, like, the, key is under the welcome mat. Yeah, because just like if you ever decide you want to come back, like all your stuff is still here. Like, you know, we kept your room just how you left it when you moved away. Like everything is still here for you. Um, if he says no, I think you call Kirby. He's the offensive coordinator of Missouri right now. Missouri is a top 10 team in the country. That offense has been cooking with Luther Burden, even with Brady Cook at quarterback, like they've been functional. I think that he could do a really good job at Boise state. Um, obviously they're going to call Harson because he's just sitting in Boise dressing up as the Joker for Halloween. He's not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's just hanging out. Um, they're going to call him. They're going to see what he's up to. And then I think two kind of more off the radar names that I have, and then I'll stop after this because I'm kind of starting to rant a little bit. Um, but Brett, Brent, I think is, is it Vigen, the Montana state head coach? Um, he's been super successful at Montana state. Like Montana state is a top, top, top FCS program. Uh, I think that he would do really well at Boise state if they want to kind of get away from their normal uh, hiring circle um and then jeff choate who is the uh linebackers coach assistant defensive coordinator at texas was the former guy at montana state before vigen took over he left montana state to take that job at texas i think that he's someone that's going to be on the radar he's kind of like a more of a pacific northwest montana idaho washington sort of guy um, and so i think you call him and see if he wants to come home so I think with Boise, you need new ideas. Like Alex said, you need, you need to get somebody in there who has a fresh look at the program and where you actually are. And like I said, I think Kirby Moore is probably the, probably the best option. I think what they are actually going to do is uh, they're going to, they're going to go the Harson route again. I think that's, I think that's what they're going to end up doing. AJ. I have, I have a couple names that I think might be a little one. Uh, you probably ought to call Sean Lewis, right? Yeah. You yeah. probably, I mean, he's just sitting there at Colorado. He's not calling plays. He's just, he's just sitting there. Like you have a, a top guy in your backyard already. Uh, the other one that I think is actually kind of interesting just to see what can happen. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall was in the mix for the Colorado job last yeah. year. He's very familiar with the region. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's kind of won everywhere. Uh, you know he's he was he's a little bit older i think than what boise state might want but if you just want some stability like to just say look we've been on the downtrend the last few years like we need to get right 
I think Bronco Mendenhall might actually be a pretty decent one. And it's not like the Mountain West is like completely on lock. Like there's going to be a whole lot of moving and shaking when it comes to whatever happens with the Pac-2 and potentially moving up. And, you know, this could be the next step for Boise potentially. So I think this next hire is crucial in a lot of ways, but you just need to get back to a point where you're you're among the names in the G5. They've kind of fallen off from that. Kevin? Yeah, so the big thing there is like they have huge expectations and they have huge facilities and money to back it up. Like they're running like a B5 program there. One name I think is particularly interesting for this job is, and he's actually coaching in Boise's backyard in that sense of like, Jason Eck is really interesting for, uh, you know, the current head coach at Idaho. Uh, you know, he's taken over. He took over an Idaho program that was in the ruins in FCS. Like, they just weren't good. I think Paul Petrino had, like, a losing record there of, like, 30 games, like 30 games under. Uh, and he's there, and they're 5-1. and one. They're ranked. I think they're still ranked in the FCS polls. Like, this is a guy who's proven he can do a lot with a little. And Boise State is not a school, like, where they have to do a lot with a little. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, like they have power five facilities and stuff like that. But imagine what a guy who does a lot with a little could do when you give him a lot of resources and you say, hey, man, you no longer have to try and nickel and dime your way to success. Here's a lot of money. Here's a lot of facilities. Here's a, a lot of recruiting. Uh, I will say that they sort of the Avalos firing came now because there's going to be a lot of Mountain West jobs probably opening up and. In that sense, like you need to get in front of them. And I think that they probably did it to maybe buy them time to like think about Brian Harson, because Harson is probably a candidate for a lot of these Mac jobs. And if that's the case, or, or Mountain West jobs, excuse me, not Mac, but like if if he's a candidate for the Mountain West jobs, like you want to at least feel confident like it's either gonna be Brian Harson or not, because that's the first name that comes up on everyone's mind. Uh so, like, I think Jason Eck and Brian Harson make a lot of sense. Uh, my thing with Kurt Moore is I think it's probably a little bit too early. He's still a new sort of OC. I want to see a little bit more proof of concept. But, yeah, you you call Kirby, uh, not Kirby, Kellen Moore first and force him to say no 10 times. It'd be very funny if Kellen Moore ends up going to the, the – I mean, he won't. To Boise State, <laughs> and then, like, the Chargers job opens up. And he's like, damn it. <laughs> I waited. I waited one too many minutes. I waited one too many. Di- no, that'd be it'd be funny if like Tom Telesco was just like, "All right, he's gone now. All right, man, you can go ahead and go." He's like, "All right, cool. All right, now you can go." Tyler, what would be the funniest hire for Boise State to make? Like the realistic funniest. Fun. Like it won't happen, but honestly, the the funniest one for me is a guy that I don't even think's been coaching in college football for the better part of a decade. And that is the the guy who basically spearheaded the beginning of the Boise State run and Dan Hawkins. Um, if, if you really want to go from like, as was mentioned earlier, the the copy of a copy of a copy. Well, the original was Dan Hawkins. So bring him back. Um, I think that's the funniest option. But I really liked what uh, Katzen had to say about uh, the Montana State connection. If you've never watched Montana State play football, holy crap, is that offense fun? It's a very complex like a uh, combination of like power runs, options, misdirection. They have been running a, a fun, fun program uh, for a long, long time. And I, I think that would be a really, really, really uh, good hire because Mon- like when Montana State plays Montana, 
that's that's the big screen TV in my basement viewing because that's a fun ass rivalry with probably the most beautiful view in all of college football. That is a partially sick statement you just said. I want you to think about that. But while you're thinking about that, we're going to quick run over to Alex. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, San Diego State job, which, I mean, it's really bad. Like, for, first, like, straight up, like, n- nothing's going well there. What are your two quick candidates there? And then we can move on because I don't think any of us have much to say about that. Yeah, SDSU's in a terrible spot. Um, I think Hoke retiring, Kirk Maddox is going to get a long look for this job, and they're just going to promote him from D.C. Um, he's kind of been uh, – groomed for lack of a better word to be the head coach in waiting because sdsu knew that this was coming for a couple years Uh, i think the only other one that i really have in mind is andy ludwig the utah oc um as just someone who's like relatively local has done a good enough job might be able you know might be able to lure him over to take a, a g5 head coach job if he's sick of being a coordinator but he also might just get a bigger coordinator job i've i have a question for you alex do you think that they would like be able to lure Zach Arnett back like to be the head coach. I mean, he was there beforehand. Yeah, I think they certainly could. Um, I don't know what the mutual interest there would be, but I think that that's another good name for that job. Um, especially like kind of with the way that things have gone for Arnett. I do think that it's probably maybe a little bit more likely that they just promote Maddox internally and then like have Arnett come back as DC, um, as like, horrible of a step down as that sounds like it would be for Arnett. Um, I think that that would probably be like closer to their preference. But um, if for some reason, you know, that's that's backwards, I definitely think Arnett is someone in the mix for that job as well. So before we get to the the other coordinator jobs, we're going to talk about that opened up mainly Penn State. But we're going to talk a little about, bit about the updates with Northwestern and Michigan State's head coaching jobs, which are both open at this point. They had neither have committed to the interim at this point. Both the original head coaches were fired for uh, reasons. Crime. Crime, yes. Very, 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 very bad crimes. High crimes and misdemeanors. Um, Northwestern, uh, I guess as Northwestern alum, uh, they should take the interim off of David Braun. That's yep. the easiest simplest thing you can do. This team is five and five or not five and five. This team has won five games. That is the first time the first year head coach has won five games at Northwestern since like 1903. Like you, this is the simplest hire that you can make. This is, you are easily asking for just an immediate, like, yeah, everybody's behind them. They're the players, the coaches, Pat Fitzgerald's son is on staff and is like, yeah, we want this guy as a head coach. Speaking of Pat Fitzgerald, you're a liar. Mainly because you said that this job was hard. This man came in and won five games and has this team on the precipice of a bowl game. And this team was not as good as last year's. So I think the easiest thing for them to do is just take the tag off of David Braun and make him head coach. This is, you shouldn't even hesitate when the season's over. This is the guy for the job. Now what they are going to do is they're going to hire Skip Holtz. Because that's the Northwestern thing to do. It would be really freaking dumb. But that is what the Northwestern thing is. Outside of that, I mean, a couple of names that I was going to throw out. Paul Christ, that's going to be a a name that pops up just because of the Big Ten stability. And, like, if you actually want, like, another Big Ten guy in there, that's basically you can't get much worse than Paul Christ. Um, PJ Fleck can go to hell. 
Um, I this is so simple. Hire David Braun, take the tag off of him, and just roll with it. Because not only have you gotten good play out of the defense, the offense looks like fun, and it's it's the same coordinator. Like Mike Bajakian was there last year when the offense sucked, and now they're kind of fun. This is real simple. You, as smart as people think Northwestern is, you can't mess this up, or else you will be the dumb school. You you get to you don't get to call yourself the nerd school anymore. That goes to Duke or Missouri or something. You are the dumb Stanford or Stanford. You're now Ohio State without the football success, without the athletic success. So you're just dumb. So uh, <laughs> Kevin, you want to talk about Michigan State real quick? Yeah, so I think I'm sort of like in a unique position where like I do follow Michigan State pretty heavily. Uh, don't ask why. I yeah, I, I can see Alex. I can see Alex why? there going. Why? why are you just intensely following mis- the the matters of Michigan State football? So I do follow both Michigan P five programs because my dad's from Michigan, and like I'm just sort of Kevin interested in like, those programs. Like that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> So, like, my thing with Michigan State is, like, that is a really good job still. Like, there's a lot of money there. They can win there. Like, that is still a really good job. Like, I know people are going to start mentioning, like, poor candidates because of what happened with Mel Tucker and the fact they have to pay Mel Tucker's entire buyout because, hey, man, Mel Tucker kind of knew what he was doing there. But, like, I yeah, think he knew what he was doing. <laughs> I, I think that there are candidates for this job that are, like, very intriguing. Lance Leipold's the obvious one. Uh, you know, you probably call Lance Leipold, see if he says no. Uh Willie Fritz to that same sense of like, hey, man, probably call Willie Fritz, see if he says no. Uh, I think one name that's interesting is LSU defensive coordinator Matt House. He's a Michigan State graduate. He, I think these defenses have been like, okay, they're not perfect, but like. They're far from perfect. They're they're far from perfect. I think most Have you watched an LSU football game this year? (laughs) (laughs) I try not to, actually. I try not to, actually. Watch. He said, learn ball, you bozo. I, I try not to watch them for, for listen. We haven't said this in a while. Shut up, Kevin. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Um, yeah, I I think the thing with Michigan State and Northwestern is there's a lot of money in both these programs. I was making a I point, man. Under, I think people underrate how much money Northwestern is willing to put in that football program. They just spent a hundred million dollars on a new athletic facility. They're going to build a new stadium, like they are actively like trying to expand that stadium. There's a lot of money here. Like, it's still like a big mm-hmm. 10 school. And, I mean, they're not going to fire you if you're bad at first. Like, Pat Fitzgerald got 20 years, and that team sucked. So, again, David Braun, easy hire. Michigan State's in a really weird, like, you kind of just need the stability. Jason Candle. AJ, what's what's your thoughts? I have a couple of names that are kind of already established head coaches, you know, and, and to Kevin's point, like they have a, the resources to try and, and pull somebody away. Um, I would, I would be interested in, in Jason Candle, the Toledo head coach. I mean, they're tremendous there. He's obviously had, had success in the area. Great offensive mind, which Michigan state has not had an offense seemingly since Kirk cousins was there. Um, so like you kind of, you need somebody at least there. But also a name that I, I keep hearing pop up is Wake Forest head coach uh, Dave Clawson keeps popping up on on all of these. <laughs> um, and like I, I think they have the resources to pull him away. 
I think if you want a proven, like it's almost like a splash hire. You pull away a power five head coach who has had success at Wake Forest. It's not like they've always been consistently bad. You know, like they've, they've had success there. They've had obviously the offense with Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry last year was cooking. Uh, it, it just kind of get that guy into that program with the amount of resources that they have. And he's already a proven winner somewhere else. Yeah, I think Clawson's name has come up a lot because there have been some uh, pretty credible reporters that have said that him and Jake Dickert at Wazoo are like already in the final six that Michigan State is down to, which uh, is interesting um, at the very least. Um, Dickert is, where Dickert has done an okay is job. Yeah, Dickert is Dickert is fine. Um, but I think the one other guy that I wanted to mention too is uh someone who we talked about earlier, which is Mike Elko. Um, I think that he's a name that makes sense to me as a Michigan State guy, where like Michigan State is used to kind of dealing with these more like antisocial, like hardball sort of guys, because like Mark D'Antonio was their coach for a decade. <laughs> and like Mel Tucker is also kind of that way when he's not doing crime. Um, and so like they've shown that they're not really like afraid of that sort of personality, um, even though they have all of these resources and they would really like someone that is like, you know, can get along with boosters and everything. Um, and I think that Elko is, as we kind of talked about earlier in the show, like has done enough and, you know, is a like reasonable enough coach that I think that like this job is one that could be of interest for him. So we haven't mentioned the name yet that I think they should not do, but it's going to come up. Pat Narduzzi. Like I the, was about to say that's that going, name's gonna he's come going to come up. His name is going to come up with this. I think Pat Narduzzi wants that job. Pat Narduzzi's openly begging Pat for the job. Because he's yeah. about to get handed. Pat Narduzzi is tanking so that he gets fired from Pitt to get that job. He, he has quiet quit at Pitt. Yeah, he is, yeah. I don't even think it's quiet at this point. I, I, think it's I pretty don't know. The players don't think it's quiet at all. No, the players think it's very loud. I, it's very loud. I, I do just want to say that, like, Sean Lewis makes a lot of sense. You know, coached at Kent State, won a lot of games at Kent State, left because, well, he wasn't getting a job there. So, like, I think that from that sense, you know, he's probably, I think, a good candidate, can prove that he can like, recruit that area. And I think they need a guy who can recruit that that Great Lakes region. So... Now that we've talked about the major head coaching jobs and San Diego State, the other big job that's open now is Penn State's offensive coordinator job. Mike Wait, Hill, I don't I don't get to say anything about Michigan State? Do you want to say something about no. Michigan State? Go ahead. No, I'm yours. good. I just wanted to make a point. You okay, didn't go, ahead. Ask me. go ahead. Go ahead, Tyler. No, I, I think you guys did a great job, but you just didn't ask me. I feel insulted. That's I, all. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to leave you out. If I leave anybody out, I'm going to leave Kevin out. So Tyler, I'll let I'll let you lead off on Penn State and the offensive coordinator job. It was always going to be like they needed a fall guy. So what is what would be a potential or what is James Franklin selling to a potential hire to be the offensive coordinator at Penn State? Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is you have to give him full autonomy and you have to be like, hey, here's a super toolsy quarterback. Let's go hit the portal for some receivers and see if we can do some damage next year. And I, I think a really intriguing option is somebody we've mentioned on the show, and 
he may not be ready for it. But when you have Nick Singleton and Katrin Allen, Brennan Marion's go-go offense would be so much fun with those backs and the talent of Aller. Um, I think whoever it is, you need to give them full autonomy to let them do their thing. You have a good defense. You have a good offensive line. Sean, who's going to be gone next year, we know that he's going to be a top five, top 10 pick in the NFL draft. But the recruiting base with Franklin is great. He is going to need great coordinators in order to take it to another level because he's not going to be able to get there himself. You want to beat Michigan, you want to beat Ohio State, go get a great coordinator, elevate this quarterback. I think uh, you have Marion, who would be a really interesting option. I think Sean Lewis, if he doesn't get a uh, head coaching job, I think would be fantastic as well. And maybe you look to the G5 level. Like uh, uh, Western Kentucky had two of their offensive coordinators already poached. Maybe you can get an Arbuckle or a Kitley to fly over there. I don't know if you necessarily want to bring Air Raid, but that kind of process, I think AJ is going to have some better names for me or for us than I do. But I think that that's the process you need to utilize here. Yeah, I think Tyler makes a good point about Marion. I think the the appealing thing about him too is that like Brennan Marion has shown that he will go anywhere for a dollar, but he is from Pennsylvania. He is from that area. Like that's where he started out really the only place that he stayed like multiple years at is at Howard, which is, uh, you know, up in that area. Um, and so I think like, you know, coming back home, quote unquote, to coach a Penn state team and be the offensive coordinator of like a legit, like big 10 offense, I think is maybe something that is appealing for the country's biggest clout chaser, um, as, <laughs> as a coach. Um, not that he's a bad coach or anything. He's an incredible coach, but like, this man is jumping ship every year to go to a new job. It's it's incredible. I love him for it. I respect it greatly. I mean this with absolutely uh, no malice whatsoever. He's awesome. Uh, and I would do the same thing if I was him. I think that um, a couple other names here, Tyler did mention Sean Lewis. Um, I think another one to keep an eye on is Mike Shanahan, the offensive coordinator at James Madison. Um, but I think that he's going to go to Pitt because uh, he's a Pitt alum. Uh, and so like that Pitt OC job at like at the very least, the OC job at Pitt is going to be open, if not the head coaching job and every other job on that staff. Um, I think that if it's just the OC job or even if it's the whole staff or anything, I think that Shanahan would prefer to go to Pitt, Pitt over Penn State because, you know, they're rivals or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but if he if you can convince him, he's done a fantastic job with James Madison. And then the other one, um, just kind of, you know, having some fun. Uh, we talked about him earlier. Chip Kelly, go be yeah, the offensive coordinator at Penn State. That's the name I was thinking of. Chip Kelly with those backs and that run game would honestly be cool as hell. Yeah, they'd be sick. That'd be, that'd be a cool sell thing, dude. Kevin, what what name do you have for Penn State? I think there's a name staring them straight in the face, and that is Joe Moorhead at uh, where's he at now? Akron. 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 Like he's, he Akron's coached bad. He coached. He coached at Penn State, and the offenses, like to his credit, were incredibly damn good at Penn State. Like they were putting up forty points per game numbers, and it was like it was all working. Uh, I think he's from Pennsylvania too, probably from like the Pittsburgh area, if I remember correctly. But like, this is a guy who produces good offenses. He's currently in a job that feels like a dead end. Like just sort of, it, it feels like the train's coming right at him. And it's just like, hey man, you got to get off the tracks eventually. He's uh, got a wily coyote. 
<laughs> yeah, like I think that I think that Penn State is like the perfect place because well, he has a relationship with James Franklin already. They've proven that it worked. They won like 10 games with him. Like, if you're trying to get these offenses to work with what you've got right now, the the way to do it is to go get the guy who's already done it. Uh, and, you know, he's probably staring that job in the face, like, outside the facility, like, holding up a side, like, will work for free just to get out of Akron. And, frankly, I don't blame him. So, like, I think that's the most, like, home run higher in that sense of, like, dude, go get the guy who worked already. Like, you don't you don't have to, like, play with these fake names of, like, well, this guy might work. We know what works there. That's Joe Moorhead. Penn State offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> yes, 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 hey, yes. Again, you you don't have to do any actual coaching. You don't have to do any recruiting. Just come in here and draw plays. Hey, uh, why don't we take uh, Cliff Kingsbury and evolve him? Penn State uh, offensive coordinator Graham Harrell. He's done a pretty good job at West, at West Virginia this year. That West Virginia team is, what, 7-3 right now? That, like, they should not be seven. It's three. it's not a fun brand of football, but it's working, and especially with the talent void that they have on an overall level, I think that's a they him and Neil Brown have done a really impressive job this season. Should they keep those jobs? Not probably not long term, but it's been a really impressive job this season. Yeah, I I have three um, that I've I'm kind of intrigued by the possibility. Uh, First one I've already mentioned, uh, if he wants to to make a leap that is to an offensive coordinator, Jason Candle, I mean, that makes that makes a ton of sense. He kind of already went with the with the head coach to be his defensive coordinator with Manny Diaz. Jason Candle's offenses have have always been fun at Toledo. Uh, I think that would make a lot of sense. I also am kind of interested in Andy Kotelnicki at Kansas. I think you add that Kansas offense and what they're doing. You Kotelniki is a huge, huge part of that offense. The game planning, the play calling, like all of it is like he, he plays a significant portion of that. I think if you can bring that and add some freshness to that offense, I also I think that would be what Penn State really needs right now. It's just add something more, get something new into that offense, bring some more because they're kind of static and very bland. I don't know. That that's kind of the best way I could say it. Um my final name is a guy that was at Penn State as a player, has already established himself as a coach elsewhere. Uh, Bobby Ingram is the current Washington Commanders wide receivers coach under Eric Bieniemy. He ran Great the offense ball. last year at Wisconsin. Uh, he's he's young. He's already proven himself to be in the NFL. He was the tight ends coach for the Ravens as well. Like he has a ton of proven success at both levels. I think you know and. Bobby Ingram was a big reason why there were so many rumors about Caleb Williams going to Wisconsin mm-hmm. it, when he when he entered the portal. It was the pull of Bobby Ingram. Ingram's and, also an alum too, isn't he? Yes, yes, yeah. And like I think that would be super, super appealing to them as well, especially if they're wanting a a kind of pro developer on that side of the football. I don't think this hire is going to happen for for reasons uh, that like are probably just like, they're going to need new name in there. But I want to say that like Juwan Sider makes a lot of sense. I feel like he's probably earned enough. It's a coordinator job. Uh, I can speak from experience because he's from Bell Glade, which is from the, the area that I cover high school football. And like people love that man. Like he is royalty 
to some people like he there's a reason why he's getting these top recruits at running back is because people think he's straight up royalty i think that they've done incredibly good uh you know producing running backs and i'd like to see him get that chance to run an offense i just don't know if that is going to be at a place like penn state because the expectations are high at penn state and i don't know if cider can really live up to those expectations and i think they're going to need a guy who can come in and produce immediately but i think cider if he doesn't get the job at Penn State, and I think he's one of the interim co-hosts, I'd like to see him go somewhere he can go be an OC. So I think all those are really, really great options, and I think we're all going to be correct in these because that's just what all the coaches and decision makers in college football listen to this podcast, just like you should, because this podcast is the greatest. You should give it five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you don't give it five stars, we will find you. And we know who you are. So give us five stars. If you give us four stars, we will find you. We know that you will be in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. We will we will find you. This is a Liam Neeson taken level of desperation here. All right. If you if you don't give us five stars, we'll say nice things about Kevin. Like that's that's the final that's the final offer on the table. 